0: Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Thursday, January 11th. Today we'll be discussing the Ohio House's decision to override the Governor's veto of a gender affirming care ban for minors and President Biden's plans to dispatch an unofficial delegation to Taiwan following its election. Plus, we'll cover Mayor Adams' recent announcement regarding budget cut reversals and bring you the five key takeaways from the U.S. Republican presidential debate in Iowa. All this coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. The Ohio House of Representatives has voted to override Governor Mike DeWine's veto of a ban on gender affirming care for minors. Abby, our correspondent, is here to discuss this development. Abby, can you walk us through the details?
1: Absolutely, Michael. The House Bill 68, also known as the Saving Adolescents from Experimentation, SAFE Act, would prohibit gender-affirming care for trans and non-binary youth. This includes hormone blockers, hormone replacement therapy, and certain mental health services. The bill also aims to prevent transgender athletes from participating in girls' and women's sports teams.
0: Governor DeWine vetoed this bill last month stating that medical decisions for children should be made by their parents, not the government. What led to the House overriding his veto?
1: Well, proponents of the restrictions argue that they protect women and children. Republican State Rep. Gary Click, the bill's primary sponsor, celebrated the House vote, stating that the society shouldn't tell children that they need drugs and surgeries to live their authentic lives. However, it's important to note that gender-affirming care is considered the standard of care by many mainstream medical associations and includes a range of evidence-based treatments and approaches that benefit transgender and non-binary people.
0: What's the next step for this bill?
1: The bill will now head to the Republican-led state Senate for another vote. If the Senate votes in favor of the measure, Ohio will join North Carolina and Louisiana in overriding its governor's veto, to enact restrictions on transgender youth.
0: This is a polarizing issue with a record number of anti-LGBTQ bills in 2023, many of which target gender-affirming care and sports participation. How are other states responding to this trend?
1: Indeed, it's a contentious issue. While GOP-led state legislatures have passed bans and other restrictions, several Democratic-led states have moved to enact protective measures. It's a clear reflection of the ongoing debate about transgender rights in the United States.
0: It's a complex issue with far-reaching implications. Speaking of complex international matters, President Joe Biden is planning to send an unofficial delegation to Taiwan following its election this week. This move is expected to stir up some reactions, especially from China. Abby, our foreign affairs correspondent, joins us to discuss this development. Abby, what can you tell us about this delegation?
1: Well, Michael, the delegation is expected to include former senior U.S. officials. The exact composition is still being determined, but it's not the first time that such a delegation has been sent. This is a long-standing practice following Taiwanese elections. Previous delegations have included a wide range of former officials, from cabinet secretaries to members of Congress.
0: So this is not a new practice. But why is it significant this time around?
1: The significance lies in the current geopolitical context. The U.S.-China relationship is at a delicate stage, and Taiwan is a sensitive issue between the two. The U.S. has a one-China policy, but also maintains strong ties with Taiwan, which China considers a breakaway province. Sending a delegation to Taiwan could be seen as a show of support, which might not sit well with Beijing.
0: What has been the reaction from China in the past to such delegations?
1: China has reacted fiercely to past delegations of U.S. lawmakers to Taiwan. For instance, when then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the island in 2022, it sparked a strong response from Beijing. However, U.S. officials have not speculated on what Beijing's reaction to the upcoming elections in Taiwan would be.
0: And how does this fit into the broader U.S. policy towards Taiwan?
1: The U.S. has a complex policy towards Taiwan. While it acknowledges China's claim over Taiwan under the One China policy, it also maintains strong unofficial relations with Taiwan. The U.S. has been a vocal supporter of Taiwan's democracy and has supplied it with arms to defend itself. This delegation is part of that broader policy of supporting Taiwan while also acknowledging China's sensitivities.
0: It's a delicate balance, indeed. And speaking of balance, Let's shift our focus to New York City, where Mayor Eric Adams has announced that some previously planned budget cuts for the NYPD and FDNY will be restored. This comes after the city managed to save over $2 billion by reducing spending on the migrant influx. Abby, our correspondent, is here to provide more details. Abby, what can you tell us about this?
1: Thanks, Michael. This is indeed a significant development. The mayor had previously stated that the city couldn't afford to hire new officers. However, this decision has now been reversed and a police academy class of 600 recruits will begin training in April. Similarly, the FDNY will no longer lose their fifth firefighter in 20 engine companies, a move that comes as the department is dealing with a higher call volume.
0: So what led to this change of heart from the mayor? And how has this been received?
1: Mayor Adams insists that strong fiscal management made this change possible. However, not everyone is convinced. Brooklyn Councilman Justin Brannan, who is also the finance chair for the city council, has criticized the mayor's decision, saying that the mayor is doing a budget dance with himself. Brannan argues that the sudden discovery of funds, along with shifting explanations and numbers, undermines the credibility of the mayor's narrative that the city is facing an insurmountable budget gap.
0: Interesting. And how does the migrant influx factor into this?
1: The city was able to restore funding to the NYPD and FDNY after saving over $2 billion by reducing spending on the migrant influx. However, it's important to note that the influx is still expected to cost the city $10 billion through the 2025 fiscal year. Last November, Mayor Adams announced that all city agencies would have to reduce their budgets by 5% to help close a $7 billion budget gap, citing the rising cost of the migrant crisis, the end of federal pandemic funding, and a slowdown in tax revenue.
0: So, it seems like a complex situation with many moving parts. And speaking of complexity, let's shift our focus to the race for the Republican presidential nomination, which is heating up with the latest debate in Iowa revealing some key takeaways. Abby, our political analyst, is here to break it down for us. Abby, what stood out to you from this debate?
1: Michael, the debate was certainly lively. Governor Ron DeSantis and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley traded barbs throughout the night, with DeSantis criticizing Haley as a mealy-mouthed politician and Haley accusing DeSantis of mismanaging his campaign. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, the current frontrunner, opted to skip the debate and instead held a town hall interview with Fox News.
0: Let's talk about the issue of Israel, which seemed to be a major point of contention during the debate. What were the candidates' positions?
1: Both Haley and DeSantis tried to outdo each other on their track records of supporting Israel. DeSantis accused President Biden of undermining the Israeli government and its military campaign, while Haley described Israel as a bright spot in a tough neighborhood and argued that the U.S. should give Israel whatever it wants amid the ongoing war in Gaza.
0: What about the issue of Ukraine? That's been a hot topic in recent weeks.
1: Indeed, and the Republican Party remains divided over whether to provide continued aid to Ukraine. Haley accused DeSantis of failing to offer a clear position on support for the country, while DeSantis accused her of supporting an open-ended commitment to back Ukraine. Trump, during his town hall, blamed the conflicts in Ukraine and Gaza
0: on Biden. Immigration and the U.S.-Mexico border were also discussed. How did the candidates approach this issue?
1: Trump, DeSantis, and Haley all projected a tough-on-immigration approach. Trump pledged to launch the largest deportation effort ever if elected to a second term. DeSantis promised to build the U.S.-Mexico border wall and have Mexico pay for it, while Haley touted her state's toughest illegal immigration law when she was South Carolina's governor.
0: And what about the issue of abortion? That's been a major point of contention in recent years.
1: Haley said the Republican Party's goal should be to save as many babies as possible and support as many moms as possible, while DeSantis pushed for more support for families. Trump grappled with how to preserve limits on abortion while not alienating voters, saying he would protect all life, every person's right to life, without compromise.
0: Finally, how do the candidates' chances look ahead of the Iowa caucuses?
1: Trump remains the heavy favorite, with more than 51% support among primary voters. DeSantis and Haley are battling for a distant second, with 17.2% and 16.8% support, respectively. However, with the caucuses just around the corner, anything could happen.
0: All right, that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.